Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here. Welcome to the show. With me as always is your co-host Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from a different mother and fellow Kool-Aids. Uh, happy Reyes, I guess. I, I guess you would say happy Reyes. So we're recording here on Friday, the night before Reyes here in Spain, which is a big holiday here for children. It's their version of Santa Claus. So, Brian, I hope you were good this year and will not receive a lump of coal. Well, hopefully I'll receive a safe arrival in New York City. Because So what we're doing here is we're recording Friday morning, and then I'm going to New York City for the weekend by car. And uh, the weather out here right now is... It's not great. It's not the worst it's ever been, but uh, it's not great. It's very, very cold every day. And we're not getting tons and tons of snow, but we are getting consistent snow. So hopefully... My Reyes gift will be a safe arrival in New York City where we're going to be spending the weekend. So just to let listeners in on what's happening with this episode, you're going to hear some things peppered throughout the show where Gabriel is all by himself. This trip to the city is for me more of a vacation, even though I will have been at Smithfield Hall to watch the Levante match, weather permitting, with the New York Pena. I'm not going there to work. Um, We have a lot of plans with friends this weekend, so I'm going to be ducking in and out of this episode. But on today's show, we're going to pick up on a story from our last episode and uh, pay a little tribute to Victor Valdez, who just hung up his gloves. And in our community segment, we're going to talk about the uh, the negative Kool-Aids, and uh, what we feel about that, this came from a, a listener. We're going to check in with Barca B and Femini since they're going to be back in action. And we'll review the Celta and Levante matches. And, of course, we'll close it up with a couple of match previews for what's coming up this week. So first thing, uh, last week in our midweek show, we were talking about the players who we might see going somewhere else in this transfer windows. Players who we'd like to see leaving. And somehow we forgot to mention Vanilla Sky, Mr. Personality, Andre Gomes. Since we've given him so much grief this season, it's at least worth worth mentioning what we might expect to see or what we might like to see in this transfer window regarding Andre Gomes. What do you think, Avery? So I think it's kind of like the same idea we were thinking about with Vidal. Like, if he goes, great. If he doesn't, I, I don't think it really matters. I think Val Green has used him sparingly, and he has not been playing that much recently in the most important games. And like last night when he played against Celta, he started and he did fine. You know, he didn't do anything again. He didn't do anything spectacular. He didn't screw up. He just was, you know, again, vanilla sky. So I don't know. Like to me, I, I, don't, I don't see him leaving. And also 
from what I've read on Twitter and everything, I don't see much interest from other teams to grab him. Also because he has a bit of a higher wage. So for a lower tier team, I don't think they want to invest into him. So personally, I don't think I don't see him leaving. And again, I'm just kind of if he goes great. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Well, honestly, in that Celta game, I think that was actually the best game he's had yet at Barcelona. Um, he had really, I think, a few really good moments. And the way that he helped set up the goal was very good work on his part. It had good hustle. So we like that. And it actually showed a little bit of skill. I mean, the way he got in there. I mean, we're going to get into it in more detail, I think, when we review the actual match. But I'm just saying, like, I think he actually had a, a very good game uh, for his standards or from what we've seen from him in that Celta match. Maybe he's actually trying to uh, maybe put in some good performances with whatever time he has on the pitch to maybe see if he can get some uh, get some heat going for maybe a transfer to another club where he's going to play some more. I yeah, know. I could see that. But at the same time, you know, he, you know, when we were going to play the most important matches, he's not going to see the pitch. You know what I'm saying? So again, he's, he's a good Copa del Rey player midweek. This was a perfect situation for him. He was able to shine, especially since yesterday. They were kind of, you know, last night they were kind of playing this flex 4-4-2, 4-3-3 thing going on where he was able to exploit that left side. When the match does not require major possession... You know, it's kind of the back and forth, almost Premier League style that benefits him better, you know, because his play is not really that tiki taka, really great on the ball, but he can run and he can almost like Paulinho, right? Box to box can kind of go through there. But at the same time, like, would I miss him? No, he's probably not going to see that much. He's probably going to get a spot start here and there because of injury from another player or coming in in the second half to relieve, you know, to give, let's say for Iniesta or to give some legs, you know, in the second half of a game. Right. So what that, what, what you're actually getting at I don't know if you know this or not, but he's actually showing improvement because if if he's on the pitch now and we're looking at it kind of like the same way we do Vidal, where it's like, okay, he doesn't spark joy, but I'm not terrified. I think that's improvement because last season or earlier in this season, if Gomes was playing, I was actually a little bit nervous. No, I can see that. But I, I think also the same thing is that it's the formations dictate how he plays, right? So... You know, now with Dembele coming and if we get Coutinho or whatever, we're going to be more in a 4-3-3, which does not suit him. You know, 4-3-3 all the time. I think a 4-4-2 definitely suits him better, you know, because he's just going to be more direct and he's just worried about pressing. But again, Val Green is a really great coach. I mean, that just shows you how good he's been able to implement the whole team. You know, like I said, last season Gomez comes in, I would be nervous too. And now he comes in and has a solid performance and we get the points last night from Celta with pretty much a B team, pretty much like five of the players we would have wanted to get rid of this summer, put a performance together last night. And that just goes really to Val Green putting those players tactically in the right position. So it's a combination of both, you know, and again, if he goes, like I say, if we get a good fee for him, I would, I would let him go. I think it also depends on who he's playing with, because with the lineup that we, he had in the Celta match, he had sort of more of a leadership role because Paulie is always going to be there as a supportive player that's i i feel like that's his personality that's his nature is to be supportive right he's not out there to lead so even though busquets was on the pitch and he was doing his busquets thing gomez had a a more clear role and i think he had slightly more of a leadership role as far as trying to build up an attack and i think maybe when he's in that role and he knows that that's his job he can actually do well yeah that's a good point and again it just goes to show like you know, Val Green's flexibility with the team and to put the players in the right situation 
that ultimately is what we're seeing, to be able to flex into these different formations with the players he had. Now, Luis Enrique last year would have put this team in a straight 4-3-3, you know, and I don't know if we would have had the same result, you know, because you're asking, you know, kind of the, um, what is it, the square hole and a round peg, whatever, I've got that reversed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But we, we get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I am not an analogy expert. Anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Luis Enrique last year would have tried to to you know make Andre Gomez like the team that we had last night at the beginning of the match to go into a four three three and try to possess, and that's just not who they are. Val Green acknowledges who these players are and puts them in a better position. And of course, we were able to get the points. Like we said, Gomez had a good game last night. Vidal didn't look too bad. You know, everyone looks serviceable. You know, and that's all you can really ask for your B squad. All right, now second item, Victor Valdez. He has officially hung it up he's hung up the gloves he deleted all his social media accounts apparently he he was never a, much of a fan of public life so now that he's officially out of the game and retired he wants to just live quietly and uh, focus on his family and all of that so and i think that um that you had a stronger reaction to this than i did so let's let's talk about well it. it's not really a stronger reaction it's just like it's just sad the way his First of all, how his Barca career ended, you know, like in that 2014 season, the last year of his contract, they were still negotiating to figure out if he was going to stay or go. And then he tears up his knee. You know, he tears up his knee. Uh, obviously, Barca doesn't renew him. You know, like that's one of the parts of pro sports when it can be really cruel, even though Valdez had this long storied career with Barca. One of the, you know, like I put on Twitter last night, he's, is he one of the most underrated best keepers in the last 20 years? His trophy case, you know, is super impressive. He was one of the first modern goalkeepers to really use his feet. You know, I think he was just really underrated, understated. And it's just sad the way it ended up. Like he went to Manchester United, didn't get playing time. And you know what was the most effed up thing too was like on the, the sports show that I was watching two days ago when he announced his retirement. The play that they highlighted him was him slipping and giving up a goal to a player. And I was like, really? That's the highlight? And I was like, thank you. I mean, obviously, it's a modulista point of view of that play. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, good riddance to Valdez. I mean, obviously, Valdez had a great career with Barca. You know, when we think fondly of those great Pep teams, he's definitely one of those players. Yeah, I mean, when you think of Pep's Barca, as far as goal... Is there's really hardly anyone else? I mean, yeah. If you if you really think about it, sure, there was Pinto, right? But obviously, Valdez was the guy. Exactly. And I mean, look at his career, right? So he's had six La Liga titles, three Champions Leagues, one World Cup, one Euro, two Copa del Reyes, and five times he led La Liga with fewest conceded goals. Yeah. And just the other day on the Celta match, Ray Hudson was saying how you know if it weren't for Iker Casillas, Valdez would have seen a lot more international starting time, but but just since Iker Casillas was around at the same time. I mean, those two, especially playing for Barcelona and Real Madrid, like those were some great matchups as far as goalkeepers. Exactly. And it, was, it really comes down to that the manager, pre, you know, had a preference with Casillas. You know what I'm saying? That Casillas maybe started on the national teams uh, sooner than, than Victor Valdez, but Victor Valdez would have been perfectly fine and perfectly suitable on the Spanish national team. Now, you know, that's all sad and stuff, but we, we got to talk about you and our, like, our favorite Valdez moment, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember a couple years ago um, when I first came to Madrid, I had a Spanish roommate, and he sent me a funny video of Victor Valdez trying to speak English to Afali. And obviously, it's been dubbed, so it's not actually true English. 
but the video, I mean, it makes you laugh. It makes me laugh so much. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And Well, it's from El Jueves. Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a comedy website? or Exactly. It's a comedy website. And basically, Valdez is trying to communicate to Afli what to do on defense. But Afli doesn't speak Spanish. Uh, you know, he's a Dutch player. I think this was like, you know, the one year where Afli was prominently on the team. And Valdez is trying to communicate to him in like the worst English, right? He's just like, you yeah. pass ball to me, pass ball to me, right? <laughs> and of course, on this video, they... When, when you are close yeah. to me, you, you... Shoot the ball. Exactly. To exactly. Me. It's, <laughs> the ball to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he just kept saying, ball to me, ball to me, right? And, and Afli just like and Afli just like shakes and nods his head. And, you know, <laughs> and so Valdez is like, man, I speak English so well, I can order anything at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then for me the best part is the end because PK basically is walking back with Valdez, and PK's like Hey, Valdez, what are you doing this weekend? I want to introduce you to Shakira's sister this weekend. And it's just <laughs> the 30 seconds is spectacular. And I know, you know, we're making fun of this little situation and it's, it makes Brian laugh, myself laugh. But, you know, Valdez was a badass keeper. And so we have to remember what he did for Barca. I'm just I just wish they could have done something more for him. And I hope they do a ceremony for him uh, to commemorate his career at the Camp Nou. That would be really nice. I mean, they posted a really nice video on Twitter and I don't know, maybe as far as his relationship with the club, where it's at right now, maybe that's all he's going to get. And that would be unfortunate because he did so much for the club, so much for the team. And I remember when he left, you know, there was really that that vacuum of who's going to be in goal. And then, you know, we had Claudio Bravo and Ter Stegen, And it really seemed to me at first that like Bravo was kind of the, the number one guy. And luckily, we've we have Ter Stegen now who is, I think, an absolute perfect successor to Valdez in so many ways. But that's that's the thing, is that Valdez was the standard. He's the one who you're going to compare everyone else against because he was so good for so long at Barcelona. Exactly. And, you know, like we said earlier, you know, he was the one of the first modern keepers, you know. When Pep came in, he was able to use his feet. I mean, he wasn't as good as Ter Sagan, obviously, because, you know, it's kind of the first keeper but again when i think of like the saves he did he was the captain of the team you know he was just like one of those guys like you know he had everyone's back especially like i don't know if you remember in the classico when um you know when ronaldo shoves pep right like valdez comes running in there ready to look for a fight you know so he's got a bit of that streak where you just don't want to mess with him you know and so you know like i i saw all the videos and the tributes and stuff like that and i think that's great i just really hope that you know, Barca this season really, you know, takes the time to recognize him because he was truly special. I mean, he was just as important as Puyol, you know, in that back line um, anchoring that, as we call the battery, right? The battery back there, the two center backs, the goalkeeper and the center mid. So, you know, he was vital and, you know, I wish it could have ended better. But, you know, I, th- I will always think fondly of Victor Valdez. Oh, yeah, me too. And, you know, not just his ability with his feet on the ball and his saving capabilities, but also just his ability to read the game and help organize the defense. He was integral in that time. Him and Puglio together, they made such a great pair. Exactly. But obviously, you know, my other favorite thing is that video. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially me being an English teacher. Like, I love looking at that because I just love... 
like how bad the English is, even though it's a joke, you know, I, I still love it so much. So I want to thank my Spanish roommate, um, Yvonne, my former Spanish roommate, Yvonne, for sending me that back in the day because I saved it and I showed it to you. And, and it's just it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least not a year goes by, not a year where I don't watch that video at least two or three times. <laughs> yeah, so... Somewhere in that Exactly. Year. So we'll definitely post it on the Facebook page so you, you two can enjoy and share and, you know, watch it two or three times a year just like Brian does. Yeah. As Brian noted earlier, he will be peppered throughout the episode, and I'm writing solo currently. And we're going to talk about the Coutinho officially being signed by FC Barcelona. So I'm recording this on Sunday, and last night on Saturday, after all the speculation and Twitter rumors... Coutinho was officially signed by FC Barcelona. It seemed as though FCB and Coutinho were very eager to make this happen sooner than wait until the summer. So here are some of the details of the package that Barcelona and Liverpool have put together for the transfer of Coutinho. The transfer includes a basic fee of £106 million plus a further transfer fee of £36 million in variables of which £26 million should be easily met. After the £105 million basic, an additional £17 million would be payable for the first 100 games Coutinho plays for Barcelona. Further, £4.4 million per 25 games. Another £4.4 million would be paid for Champions League qualification in the first two seasons, with a £4.4 million bonus for winning the competition. Also, Coutinho has signed a five-and-a-half-year deal worth £12.1 million a season. So obviously, all these numbers are astronomical. With the transfer fee that's and all the money that Liverpool is going to receive from FC Barcelona, if all these conditions are met. So yesterday, on Saturday, the speculation started when Liverpool went to Dubai for some training sessions, and Coutinho was not on the trip. Then from about 4 p.m. Madrid time to about 8 p.m., there were more and more tweets that the signing was going to happen, as well as more credible newspapers around here in Spain as well were tweeting, so I had the feeling that it could happen on Saturday. Then I received an ESPN notification, and then finally around 8 o'clock, FC Barcelona officially tweeted that Coutinho had been signed. I'm very excited to have this player as talented as Coutinho join FCB. I think he's going to play a majority of La Liga games and leaving Iniesta super fresh for the important Champions League matches. I'm glad the saga is finally over and that we have landed our target. If we can sign Mina and get rid of Turan, this could be a Hall of Fame transfer window by the board. This spring will be exciting to see how Coutinho and Dembele play with Suarez and Messi. We have seriously upgraded our roster. People have been asking us through social media, was it worth it? Did we pay too much? So we basically exchanged Neymar for two world-class players, Coutinho and Dembele, and they will be part of Barca for years to come. So to answer that question, I definitely think it was worth it, and I don't think we paid too much, especially since we received the majority of that money from PSG. So basically, PSG gifted us two world-class players, and Coutinho will be the replacement for Iniesta. We also received a comment on Twitter from edclass13 underscore HD asking, with the Coutinho signing official... What is Barca's best 11 lineup with everyone available and healthy? That was a great question. It made me think a little bit. And he, ED Class 13 HD, sent me his lineup and I'm going to respond with mine. So I definitely think going with a 4-3-1-2 is the best possible lineup. 
We have Ter Stegen in goal, followed by Semedo, Pique, Umtiti, and Alba. In the midfield, I would put Coutinho, Busquets, and Brian's favorite player, Sergi Roberto. Then I would have Messi as the free-flowing playmaker behind Suarez and Dembele at top. I think this lineup would be very formidable, super aggressive on attacking. They would be able to possess the ball, as well as being super fast and sound on defense. It is amazing to see the turnaround from six months ago, where most Kules and I thought this could be the end of an era. Losing Neymar, not signing key players, getting smashed by Real Madrid, the board losing out time and time again to young and upcoming Spanish players. Today, we, f- we officially have Dembele and Coutinho on the roster. We are leading La Liga and now poised to win the treble. It is a great time to be a Kule. Now, in our community segment, we have one comment we got from a listener on Facebook. Got this from Michael. And um, it actually opens up a very interesting conversation, potentially a long one or not. We'll see. But anyway, this is what Michael has to say. He said, I follow the Barca Blaugranas site, as I'm sure many of you do. I can't help but notice how negative the comments of the supposed Kules are, always going on about how terrible Valverde is, how horrible the 4-4-2 is, how ugly and defensive our football is, etc. Do you guys feel that this sort of naysaying is consistent with being a true supporter of the club? I understand the idea of tough love and speaking out when you see something you don't agree with happening, but at the same time, I feel that as supporters, we've got to trust our club managers and players and give them the benefit of the doubt through thick and thin. So yeah, this you know this is um, this is something that goes on with every team. It's not just with Barcelona. Every sport, politics. You know, you have positive comments and negative comments. You know, and to me, it does, if you're more negative, doesn't make you less or more of a Kool Aid, right? Like that's just. Maybe that's how your personality is. And especially with these chat rooms and these comments, it kind of gives you these internet muscles, you know, where you can put a comment and kind of run away. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of put that comment there, stir the pot, and then leave. And some people just like to do that. I have a friend of mine that loves doing that, that just loves going on message boards and just like putting a random comment and just loves seeing the reaction, you know? And so for me, I just think, you know, it just depends on, you know, what your attitude is, but I mean, this happens in every sport, every chat room, everything. I mean, Brian, have you watched Arsenal TV? I mean, first of all, I love watching Arsenal TV because the fans are so negative, you know, and those fans are like always negative. <laughs> and I just love their reactions when they lose to like really bad teams. But again, like it's entertainment. It's just to get reaction, you know, and these are the type of things. Now, I don't know how many people really, you know, making those negative comments are truly, you know, thinking that. And I just think that a lot of them are just trying to stir the pot, to have a conversation and just be negative. You know, that's usually what happens in my experience with chat rooms and comments and so forth. Yeah. And it, uh, the Arsenal uh, comparison is probably the best one, right? Because, yeah, they'll talk a lot of shit and they'll be really negative. But, you know, they keep showing up. They keep buying jerseys. They keep supporting their club. So, you know, I get what Michael's saying, you know, and I think this comes down to the question of what it is to be a fan. And I've experienced myself when I've been out watching matches sometimes how there's sometimes kind of an unspoken argument over who is a real fan. And I'm using quotes there and who isn't. And it's kind of like arguments we have here, at least over patriotism. And maybe it's even like a stand in for that kind of conversation. You know, and I get what you're saying. You know, some people just to like, some people just like stirring the pot, and um, and maybe they, you know, they do have these strong feelings. But like you said, this happens at every club. It's not, um, it's not unique to Barcelona in any way. 
I mean, I just always think that it's funny. Like, you know, we, we're, you know, on this podcast, we talk about our opinions about the team and, you know, what we think the four four two and how defensive and all that stuff. But ultimately, you know, our goal as supporters and, you know, following Barcelona is we want to win titles. And there's many ways to build a house, you know. So, like, yeah, maybe, you know, like we talked about our romanticism with the four three three, the tiki-taka. Of course, we would love that to continue and to be that forever and ever. That's always going to be a fiber on the team, you know. But... World football is always moving forward and adapting. You have to adapt. And we've seen with Val Green, especially, like the defensive football, maybe not be the prettiest thing. But look at our record. We already have La Liga wrapped up. So I can understand people being negative. I just, for me, I don't really read those negative comments. I just think it's kind of a waste of a time. But I also don't pretend not to see them also. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think it's good to always be in a positive bubble or negative bubble right it's good to see both kind of comments just to get a temperature of what the fan base is thinking but i mean this is always going to happen you know so michael you know you you can either i would just say maybe read the first 10 comments and then bounce and go to another article or just (laughs) like just take it all in and just get a temperature of what everyone's saying because you know being negative doesn't mean you're less kool-aid just means that you want more and everyone has their opinion of what Barca and how they should play and that's just how it is so for me I just kind of really don't pay attention to those comments I think you can get into a comment vortex and really get kind of wound up in it and so I just yeah I'd rather read more articles than read one article with like 50 comments yeah I totally agree with you and as far as the actual issue of the the style we're seeing right now with Val Green you know I know it's a hot button issue we've talked about it a number of times but, you know, I remember how, like, the style and effectiveness of Pep's Barca was what made me a fan in the first place, right? And sure, right now, it's not as balletic, not as beautiful. But really, that period was a rare thing. Like, when I was looking back at the 92 Champions League final, Cruyff's dream team, really, they were not as beautiful as Pep's side at its best, right? But they were still a great team. So far, you know, I don't think we've sacrificed the essentials of the Barcelona style. I just, I don't think that that's fully been lost. And it's just not what it was under Pep. And who knows when or if we'll ever see that kind of thing again. But if you think that Barcelona has lost its religion, and I know some people do, like I've heard that phrase a number of times, they've lost their religion, you know, fine. And I welcome that kind of, that kind of uh, opinion. You know, but it might be more a question of tone, right? Some people are just really inflammatory with with their remarks. Fans are passionate. And, you know, I try not to get sucked into that myself. So for my goal, you know, all I can say is that's going to happen. It's not particular to Barcelona, but just, um, you know, try not if if uh, if it bothers you, just try not to get sucked into it yourself. But it will always happen, you know, and I'm reminded of that. That Sepp Herberger quote just about football in general, right? He says, the ball is round, the game lasts 90 minutes, the rest is pure theory. So, like, for me, ultimately, I think if you're rooting for Barca to win, the rest is theory. Exactly. And we all think that we're experts, you know? Like, you you know, I think I'm a tactics expert, you know, and, you know, all these... I have my ideas of how I would run Barca, but ultimately I'm just, like you said, it's a theory, right? And that's what makes it so much fun, right? We, we all have our opinions, our theories on it, but ultimately Val Green is the one in charge, right? And so far, like we've talked about, I've been happy with the results. And obviously, you know, we want that Tiki Taka 433. That, that would be amazing to continue, but 
those players were once in a generation, and those are players are very hard to find and replicate. Now, if we continue to bring players like Arnaiz and Alenia through the La Masia, then we're continuing that Barcelona philosophy, and that's really important as well. So, you know, there's more things to it, obviously, with world football, with the wages, the money, the demand for winning, um, the demand from the fans. Like, you have to – like, Val Green can't just say, I'm going to go to a 4-3-3, lose all these games, and then he gets fired. You know what I'm saying? Like, ultimately, he has – it's a results business, so he has to adapt and that's just world football. You have to adapt. I mean, think about all the other teams that, you know, the most popular teams like, you know, Liverpool or Arsenal or, I don't know, um, you know, Borussia Dortmund and stuff. They would love to be in our position right now, undefeated, in the season, playing really well, defensively really great. Those teams have more problems, you know. And where we're at right now, we're headed in the right direction. So I'm very, um, you know, happy of how we're playing so far in the first six months. And I have full confidence in Val Green, and we just have to wait and see. But again, Michael, just you know, I would just say, just don't read as many comments, so you don't get a, <laughs> so you don't get so, <laughs> so you don't get so you know sad about the other negative Kool Aids and so forth. Yeah, don't let them bring you down, man. One of our favorite things about doing this podcast is getting you, the listeners, involved with it. If there's something about FC Barcelona you want us to talk about, let us know by going to barzatalk.net and find the contact page or use any of our social media channels. And if you like what we're doing here, consider sending some money our way. We don't do special episodes just for patrons or anything like that. Everything we make is free to listen to. But if you do feel like you want to help out the show, go to barzatalk.net and click on the support tab at the top of the page. Thanks. Now we're going to talk about Barca B. Barca B had a great result last night against Real Saragossa at the La Romareda, where they earned a point with a one-to-one draw. This was a great result because the weather and the pitch conditions were absolutely horrible. Both teams were unable to really possess the ball or string any passes together. This was a defensive matchup where both defenses had to really be on their toes and be on high alert because of the wet conditions. Abel Ruiz scored Barca's goal in the 55th minute with a nice individual play on the left flank where he ended up 1v1 with the goalkeeper and hit it through his legs. I used to live in Saragossa for about two years and I used to live by the stadium, by La Romareda, and I went to a couple matches there. And it was really exciting because the games were kind of cheap and the access to the field and so forth is really close. Real Saragossa has a long story tradition in La Liga, but unfortunately they've been in the Segunda for some time now, as long as I've been here in Spain. So I hope that Real Saragossa can turn around and return to La Liga because they are one of those teams that have been in La Liga for such a long time and they have such a rich tradition. Another note, Arnaiz was not on the Barca B squad, and so that means that Val Green called him up for today's game against Levante. So Arnaiz may see some action today, which is very exciting for the young player. Barca B's next match is home against Valladolid next Saturday. And Valladolid are currently in 10th place with 29 points, whereas Barca B are currently in 19th with 21 points. As we noted before, Barca B continues to string some ties and some wins together. Hopefully Barca B can keep up their current form and they will be in the Segunda Division. So let's check in with FCB Feminine. The women had an impressive victory today over Levante 5-0, where the game was played at the Ciutat Esportiva. 
The goals were scored by Elise Busiglia, two were scored by Patricia Guijaro, another one by Alexia Putelis, and the last one was scored by Lika Martins. The ladies continue pace with Atletico Madrid with 40 points at the top of the table because Atletico beat Saragossa 3-0. Again, as we talked about in the last podcast episodes, the winner of the Atletico-Barca FCB Femini match in the spring is probably going to be the winner of the league. And that's not for a couple months, I believe. Another cool thing to check out is the women posted a fun skills Christmas challenge on their website where they had empty boxes in the shape of a Christmas tree. And each box was worth a certain number of points. The ladies were then divided into teams of color. For example, red, blue, yellow, and green, I believe. And the women had to chip the ball into the boxes. And obviously, the team with the most points won. But I think the best part of the video is the very end where the team had to sing Jingle Bells. And of course, half the team don't speak English. And so it's just a funny kind of rendition of Jingle Bells that everyone should check out. So great job by the women. Another impressive victory. They continue to win, and they just need to continue this pace to put pressure on Atletico. Now it's time to talk about the rest of the teams in La Liga that are currently trailing FC Barcelona in the table. In second place right now is Atletico Madrid. Atletico beat Hitafe in the Wanda Metropolitano on Saturday, 2-0. The first goal was scored by Angel Correa, with a really nice goal with a difficult finish where he used the outside of his right foot with a nice assist by Griezmann. The second goal was scored by Diego Costa with a clinical finish. The attack started on a counterattack with a cross to Costa. He already had a yellow card prior to the goal, and when he was celebrating the goal, he went into the crowd and, of course, received a second yellow card where he was completely surprised by this outcome. With Costa and Vitolo coming into the Atletico Madrid team during this winter transfer, they will continue to put pressure on Barca during this campaign. They are sitting in second place with 39 points. The next team is Valencia. Valencia is currently in third in the table. They played Girona in the Mestalla on Saturday where they beat them 2-1. Girona started the scoring with a really nice goal by Porto. It all started by Mojica where he beat two Valencia players on the left flank, delivered a great cross, and found Porto to open the scoring with a nice header goal. Gonzalo Juárez, who's a really great up-and-coming player for Valencia, led an attack and delivered a cross, which ended up being an own goal by Girona to tie the match. Valencia was awarded a penalty, and Parejo scored the goal, which eventually gave Valencia the victory at home over Girona. They have 37 points and are sitting third currently at the table. The next team up is Real Madrid. They play tonight against Celta in Vigo. Hopefully Celta can earn a good result and push Real Madrid further down the table. They are sitting fourth currently with 31 points. And in fifth place is Sevilla. Sevilla had the Sevillan Derby last night against Real Betis, which was playing at the Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan. This was a super exciting match, and Real Betis won 5-3, with Christian Teo, former FCB player, having a great match. You should definitely see the highlights on YouTube. So many goals, great end-to-end action, and the crowd, of course, was on fire. It was a disappointing loss for Sevilla as they find themselves still in fifth place with 29 points. All right, so we've got two matches to review this week. This one we can actually do together. The next one Gabriel will be doing by himself. But so midweek on Thursday, Barcelona went to Vigo. Is that where it yeah, yeah. Vigo's in the northwest. It's in Galicia. It's actually a spectacular place, but it's just a random, it's not a well-known city. So, yeah. <laughs> totally random. Yeah. 
came out of nowhere. <laughs> so they went in the Copa del Rey. They went to Vigo to play Celta in the Balaidos. And the result was 1-1. It was 1-1 at the half. So the second half was maybe not the greatest, but uh, let's get into it. So the squad, not just not the lineup, but just the squad that Val Green took to Vigo. Messi, Suarez, Delufeu, all left back at Barcelona. And we actually got a comment from a listener. Juan Ortega was commenting on our last episode about how Deuces was left off of the squad for this match. Could we take this as some kind of confirmation that Deuces is maybe on his way out? Should we stir that pot? We could stir that pot that way, you know? Like, I definitely think, you know, before he was on the squad, at least, you know, maybe he didn't start, but at least he made the squad list, and now lately he hasn't made the squad list, so it could just mean that he's fallen out of favor with Val Green, and we'll see. But, you know, for Copa del Rey matches, right, so this is Silicon's tournament, so he's going to start every match, and Ter Stegen was there as the replacement just in case he got injured, but... Again, Messi and Suarez being left out and staying, you know, I was kind of worried because Celta is not a team that we can take lightly, especially in Vigo. Like last night's weather you saw was rainy. It was terrible, you know, and that's the way that's very typical Galician weather, very cold and rainy. And especially the pitch was very slippery. And again, we didn't have possession of the ball. Right. We didn't we lost uh, possession. Celta had more possession than we did. At the onset, I was kind of leery about what Val Green was doing, but again, one-one result away, can't. That's that's a really great result, and of course, Dembele got to play some minutes and to get back onto the pitch, which was also a great thing for him as well. Yeah, I mean, he was just given the medical uh, discharge, the all clear, and then you know, next day or two, he's on the squad for the match, and I was. I was kind of hoping that he would start, but of course that's that would be putting way too much pressure on him to you know play ninety minutes or whatever. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that he didn't start and that he just he played the last eighteen minutes. He just you know got out there, stretched his legs, tried to get back into it. Uh, of course, I want magic from him, because, but but let's be realistic, you know. Yeah, I mean, he looked he looked like a player who hasn't played in over a hundred days, right? I mean, he was able to run around a little bit, um, kind of looked a little not fresh, you know. His touches weren't all that great, but you know, the first thing it's just great to see him back. So that definitely is going to help. And you know, again, Val Green just manages the roster beautifully. You know, he gave everyone who normally doesn't don't play a lot an opportunity like Digne Vidal started and they were able to get the result and more importantly you know just like we talked about earlier the adaptive of the tactics right so it was almost like a when they were on offense or when they were on defense it was a 4-4-2 on offense it was more of a 4-3-3 and again um, he gave Arnice a start which was great to see and I would have loved to see Elena get a call up you know but Arnice still and he just looks he looks perfectly suited for the senior team already. Like he doesn't look like the stage phases him at all. So that's really great to see as well. Yeah, and uh, I really like how hungry Arnais looks. Just when he's out there, he 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 works really hard, right? So that's our that's our first uh, criterion, right? He's got hustle and uh, and he's got skill. And he does get into some good spaces, and he makes clever, intelligent plays. Exactly. Like, he just finds the gap. He he doesn't mind the gap. He finds the gaps, right? <laughs> <laughs> he finds the gaps. A um, couple plays where, like, if Messi or Niesta was playing, like, they would have found him, and he probably could have scored. And that's the other thing. Like, he's kind of a mix of a poacher's type of score and also, you know, making the things happen. Because he almost had um, another opportunity. You know, he had plenty of opportunities, and... 
he just looked really good, you know, and I, I'm really happy to see him convert because, you know, it's one thing to get those starts and not score goals, and that mounts more pressure on a young player. But the fact that he's been able to, you know, he's played three games and he scored, I think, three goals already, like that really helps his confidence to, you know, when he's called up, Val Green has confidence in him, and it just, you know, it it emulates to the team, you know, like that he can score and he's going to be fine. So that's So I'm really happy with his progression. You know, hopefully for Barca B that he'll just continue to score goals and help them to stay up in Segunda. Yeah. Now, as far as the lineup goes, uh, with Paco out injured still and Luis Suarez left back in Barcelona, there wasn't really any central striker, a traditional central striker available. So how did that affect, even if they are running kind of more of a 4-3-3 when they're on attack, how do, how do you think that affected the attack? No, it definitely did. And, and you could see, like, you know, most of the opportunities were on overlaps and you know, passing through the center as opposed to trying to work up attack through the middle. But again, like um, Val Green was just strictly trying not to lose the game and try to have a good defensive performance with this lineup. You know, like you have here, you know, the fullbacks, we had Semedo and Digne. Semedo had a great match. His speed, uh, you know, a bunch of times Celta were just surprised with his speed. I mean, he just always does that. He comes out of nowhere. He's like the flash, you know, he just like, you know, you're the Celta player, you make the move and all of a sudden Semedo's like, he's like, beep, beep. I'm like right there, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like the roadrunner. You thought you yeah, should yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like right there, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm right here. But again, you know, Pauly starting, um, you know, we had Gomes and Dennis Suarez, you know, you have people who are capable of, you know, trying, you know, they're capable players. So, Again, um, Val Green set it up to have a better, you know, strong defense and then tried to get goals as they can. Yeah, so like the notable plays of the match, obviously, the the goal from Arnais, it was a really good counterattack. Uh, Denise brought it down off a touch from Gomes. So the way that Gomes got in there, stuck his foot out, touched it out to Denise. Denise had a lot of space to work in. And then Gomes keeps running. So Dennis can put it back out to Gomes, and Gomes took it into the box. He got the low cross in, and he held on to the ball well. He put a good cross in. Arnais put it away, and Vidal and Arnais were both in the box ready to receive. So good counterattack play and a good early goal on that play. Definitely, and also the other thing, too, that we have to note is the minute before, Celta almost scored, right? So, you know, it was, a, it was kind of like turning the table, right? So, like, uh, Celta does not score, and we score right there. So all of a sudden... One nothing, and yeah, it was a great counterattack. And again, Arnais was clinical on the finish. He held his position, so he's strong enough to hold the center de- uh, defender on his back, and he hits it uh, low to the corner. And it was a it was a really great opening goal for Arnais. Yeah. Now then, there was the Celta goal in the thirty first minute uh, that ultimately was scored by Sisto, and it was actually the same play that they'd made a few times already in that match. You know, Sisto driving down the left up against Semedo, but then he just squares it into the box, usually to Aspas. And every time that pass into the box was successful, but Barca managed to break up the play or they got lucky. And on this play, they just didn't, but they deflected two, maybe three, but at least two shots before it got to Aspas for his first attempt. And that came off the crossbar. And then it fell to Sisto, who just had like an unsavable finish, I think. He just rocketed it right into the roof 
there was no way Sillison could have grabbed yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that was a really nice goal by Sisto. And maybe the only fault you can give Sillison is maybe he should have came out a little bit more aggressive on Sisto. But still, I can understand he was just guarding the post. And that's just like a once-in-a-lifetime shot. That thing was just – I mean, he hit that so hard. He could have gone far left, far right, or too high, but it hit it perfectly. and went right into the roof of the net. So, so yeah, and also the buildup of the play. You know, I think the weather added to that – play as well because you can just kind of see how the ball kind of skipped around um Vermeulen was kind of caught off then PK and then Aspas hit the ball so it was kind of like one of those um you know like we talked about before it's almost like a hockey goal where there's just so much traffic and chaos and the defense is trying to come back and Aspas was able to pounce on it and then Sisto uh to finish the goal eventually yeah, no, I have a question for you on the buildup because like I said, it, I noticed that they were making this same play a number of times and every time Sisto managed to square the ball into the box to an open player, usually Aspas. So is there something that uh, Barcelona like Semedo or Pique were like not getting hip to that they could have shut that pass down so that it didn't even get into the box could they shut could they have shut down Sisto shut down that pass was there any breakdown on on those players parts that could have prevented that goal you think yeah I definitely think so and 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 eventually did happen right because I think also when Sisto left they didn't have those um those passes anymore that was the first thing but also after the goal I think Semedo started playing tighter on Sisto right so you know, when it's rainy, it's really difficult to turn your hips. You know, that's just like one of the things. And so one of the things you can counteract is just play tighter to the man, right, so that he doesn't get the ball. And I think that's kind of what happened. I think in the early times, he allowed Sisto to have space because Semedo tried to use his space to turn his hips and use his speed to catch up to him. But Sisto was really good with the ball. You know, obviously he was doing that same move. And I think that adjustment eventually where Semedo – was a little bit tighter with him, didn't allow Sisto to have these runs. That really kind of shut those crosses and passes eventually. But, you know, it's just all about adjustments and Semedo just learning to play, you know, in Vigo. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's part of, you know, I'm sure he's not really used to playing in this type of weather where he's from because this is very, it's almost, you know, it's very similar to like Seattle weather, Vigo, where it's really heavy, heavy pitch, lots of rain, slick. And if you're not used to that style, Especially if you come from, you know, like he's Portuguese, it's more of a drier climate where you don't really have to deal with the rain so much. It's, you know, it, it takes a little bit of used to getting used to. And so I think that's what happened. And eventually he was able to tighten up his defense because after that, he pretty much had a shutdown game. You know, he, he, he had a spectacular performance after that. Yeah. And, you know, there's no better way to learn than to uh, get scored on. Right. Exactly. And especially like PK telling <laughs> you what to do after and so forth. So I'm sure Val Green had some, you know, his two cents as well, just to, to play a little bit tighter. And, you know, just don't be afraid. He was able to adjust. And like I said, Semedo had a, a great game. Yes. Now, another um, couple other notable plays for me uh, in the 45th minute, Gomes, he gets the ball in some space in front of Celta's box. He goes ahead and takes the shot. Um, fine. And he skies it again. Now, to be, I'm giving him some grief, right? But to be fair, he doesn't take many shots. If he took more, I'm sure he'd have some more some goals. Um, and again, this was probably the best Gomes has looked all season for sure. But that is, again, that is why we call him Vanilla Sky. One, because apparently he has, he well, he keeps his personality to himself. He doesn't like to share it with others. And when he takes a shot, he sends it into the sky. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, you're, I don't understand this because if you're a professional footballer, right, you obviously practice shooting from different angles and different places. I mean, that's just, even when I was 16, like we would do drills shooting outside the box. 
you know, there's a thing where you try to make the most perfect shot, and then there's a thing where you're just trying to shoot on goal, right? And he just needs to shoot on goal. You know, eventually when you just shoot on goal enough, you can adjust. You know, if he shot on goal like three times, then he can adjust maybe for the fourth one for maybe a little bit harder shot or a different angle or something like this. But he's always trying to hit like the most greatest shot ever of all time in his career. And he never even comes close to the woodwork, you know? And so like, so don't be fair. You can't, he's a, he's, he's a professional footballer. Like he's not expected to hit six times. You know what I'm saying? Like in a game, you're only going to get maybe one or two times. And that's why you practice. You have to practice these type of situations just to put it on goal. And I know sometimes, you know, you've seen it often at times, like, you know, in the Classico when Suarez hit the ball and he hit it really light, but at least he hit it on target. You know what I'm saying? Then eventually the next shot, he was able to score a goal. So these are the type of things. Like the next time he has the ball rolled to him, he's going to try to hit it and he's going to, he's going to miss again. Like he's never gone on target. Have we ever seen Gomes hit a ball where you're like, yeah, here it comes. Never, (laughs) never, never. Look never, out. Never, never. As soon as he's about to wind up, you're just like, oh, it's going to the sky, baby. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. But, uh, okay, so some other notable plays for me. Uh, 57th minute, the cross from Dina, pretty good cross. And Arnais, how he got to it with his head, but he sent it high. And, again, I like how hungry Arnais is, how he got his head to that ball. Like, he could have, he could have easily not gotten to it. And, like, it was a pretty good cross. It could have been maybe a couple of degrees better um, on Dina's part. But, I mean, it was a it was a quality cross for sure. And But our, but it was a little bit hard to get to, and Arnais got to it. Yeah, and again, and he also had, like, the center back draping on him. And so you can just see how he's a feisty type of player. You know, he can get through that. And he just, yeah, like you said, he hit it high, and he was just, you know, he had the guy draping on him. He's diving. He had a lot of things going on. If he was able to get that goal, that would have been a really nice uh, finish. Unfortunately, he was not. But again, it just shows the quality of our nice. And again, a great pass by Digne, like you said. That that was an opportunity lost there. Yeah. And then there was the Busquets shot, 61st minute. I mean, the cutback pass from Vidal with good vision to put it in for Sergio. Like, the fact that he saw that open space for Sergio to run into, I thought that was good vision on Vidal's part. And it was, you know, a nice cutback pass. And then Busquets' pass was just, just high. It came off the crossbar. I mean, that's, you know, that's better than, than Gomes, at least. Yeah, exactly. And and you you could see again, you know, maybe it just took him, you know, 45 minutes to get used to playing together like this team. But you can kind of see the back and forth in the second half that they were able to get some good quality opportunities to get another goal. And again, this was just another opportunity. Unfortunately, Busquets hit the crossbar and they were unable to get the goal. All right. So let's do man of the match. You, you go. All right. So my man of the match, other than Messi, is our uh, nice. I think he had a good all-around game. Unfortunately, he did not finish the game. He kind of uh, finished with a cramp. But um, I think you know this is a really good sign. You know, he was able to score a goal. Um, as we've noted, he had the the opportunity before in the 57th minute with the header. I just think he, you know, he knows how to find the gaps in in the center uh, in the defense. And again, like I have here in the notes, if Messi or Iniesta was playing with him, I think they would have found him, and I think he would have had two or three goals. So I think you know the future is bright. I like that he is not scared of the moment, and I also like that 
you know, when Val Green uses him, he, you know, he comes with the goods, you know, so he's able to score goals and he just keeps mounting confidence. And I just hope this carries through for his, you know, for this season in Barca B. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to become more and more confident that we'll see him on the first team, maybe this year even, but probably next year. I don't know. It depends on things like transfers and that sort of stuff, but you know he's got the he's got the he's got the goods. Yeah, and he just looks you know he looks like a feisty player. I heard this morning that Arsenal are interested in him, so I hope that Barca keep him because I could definitely see him being an important player for the next season coming up. You know, having a good summer with training, and then going forward on the senior team. So we'll see what happens. Who was your man of the match other than Messi? Nelson Semedo. And, you know, because in earlier rounds of the Copa against the smaller clubs, maybe even, you know, weaker clubs, we might say, we talk about which players stick out as being a cut above, you know, normally the, the ones who we are used to seeing in the first team. And then in this match, for me, it was, Semedo really was in that class. And this was not a weaker side. It was, I mean, Celta is a serious opponent, but Semedo still really stood out on both ends, right? Like you were saying, how... you. A player thinks that they've gotten away from him. They think they've shook him, but he just comes at you, right? In the eighth minute, it was a dangerous ball for Aspas from Voss. Really good play for Celta, but Semedo used his speed to get back and break up that play. Eleventh minute, there was a leading ball from Pauly to Vidal, and then Semedo just rocketed forward, and then how he stopped and dropped the defender, chipped in across in front of goal, and then Gomez had a headed attempt, which went too high. But just the play from Semedo on that was great. The stop and drop was really fun. <laughs> the, the defender just comes in. And again, you know, the surface is slick. So he slipped a little bit. But the way that Semedo was able to just stop on a dime, get the ball under control, chip in the cross, it was beautiful. Oh, and my favorite play, I think, was from him was really in the 50th minute. So early, early part of the second half. One, he did some really good cleanup defensive work, maintaining possession in the Barcelona half, and then he had this really nice give-and-go with Vidal, and then he cut in, kind of Sergi Roberto style, and he played a really good through ball, but Arnais, he they he and Arnais weren't exactly on the same page, so Arnais didn't run out for it, and then it got cleaned up by uh, the Celta goalkeeper, but really good play there. And then, like, nine minutes later, he put in this really, really nice cross that actually dictated a run for Denis. Denny's had his shot just off frame a little bit, but another great cross from Semedo, again, dictating the run for Denny's, which I thought was cool. And then um, in the very last or 91st minute, I really thought that we were going to get a win on this one. And then it just didn't, you know, just didn't work out. But, you know, 91st minute, Busquets played it out to Semedo, and then he just one-touched it back in for Sergio Roberto, you know, just came off the upright. It was an impossible angle, but overall a really good play. So Semedo is my man for this match. Yeah, I think it's a good selection because, you know, like we said in that goal, you know, he, he allowed Ciso to get space. But I think after that goal, he really locked him down and he was able to use his speed all game to really close out on opportunities that Celta had. And I just think that, you know, I'm thinking of like the future, maybe like maybe next season or. Yeah, maybe next season of a defensive line of Alba, Umtiti, maybe Yuri Minya, and Semedo. Can you think of all that speed that's on that back line? I mean, that is ridiculous. Like, if that could come to fruition, you know? And Semedo just keeps mounting with confidence. You know, he's definitely going to be the right back uh, for the future. And, you know, with these type of games, he keeps learning the, you know, the, the style of playing La Liga, the different pitches. 
and he's just going to become a stronger uh, right back. And, you know, especially with his – if he develops more of his attacking prowess and his passing going forward, man, he's going to be super, super dangerous in the future. Yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing more from him in the future. So let's get into the second match, which was the match just played, just finished against Levante at the Camp Nou uh, with a result of 3 nothing for FC Barcelona. So a really good showing for Barcelona to get those three points to maintain that nine-point lead against Atletico Madrid. So let's get into the lineup. The lineup, a couple surprises. uh, Ter Stegen, Alba, Mascherano getting the start. Vermalen, Sergio Roberto, Paulinho, Iniesta, Rakitic, Dembele, Messi, and Suarez. I guess the only surprise there is Busquets not starting, but uh, Rakitic played in his position and really had a great showing for him. They were kind of in a 4-4-2 hybrid. 4-3-3 kind of a thing. Um, Dembele was on the wing, and then on defense, he kind of floated back as a midfielder. Um, he kind of looked a little lost at the beginning, but eventually found his sea legs and was able to have a pretty solid match. Another notable note here is that this match was the 400th La Liga match for Messi. The 400th league match is an incredible achievement, and it just shows how consistent Messi has been throughout his career. Today, Rakitic was playing in the Busquets role. This is the second or third time he has done that this season, and the role really suits him. He has been playing pretty well as of late, and today was no different. He was able to string some really great passes, really kind of connect from the defense to the attacking third pretty well a couple times. He had almost a volley goal that did not go, but overall Rakitic had a really great game. And again, this is another great option for Val Green to have when Busquets needed a rest. He can put Rakitic back there and then put Sergio Roberto in the midfield if need be. Now, this first half was a bit slow at the beginning. Um, the first half, you know, we, we scored the two goals in the first half and obviously the last goal in the, in the second half. But the first 10 minutes or so, Barcelona kind of was sleepwalking a little bit. Levante came uh, pretty tough. They had some opportunities at the beginning. Um, but, of course, Ter Sagan made some great saves. Now, in the beginning, the possession was at 50-50. But, again, with time and, and of course, Barcelona figuring out what Levante was trying to do, they eventually were able to overhaul the possession game. At the beginning, Sergio Roberto and Dembele kind of looked a little lost. Dembele began to kind of do too much on his own individually. He tried to make these really great moves and tried to break it open instead of trying to make the safe pass back to work it around. But eventually Dembele got the message and he was able to link up with Sergio Roberto. And that eventually was able to open up the attack a little bit more on the right side. Now, of course, Messi still was able to float around like he normally does. And in the beginning of 15 minutes, he really didn't touch the ball yet. And then finally, you know, he was able to come deeper and deeper. And then with the linking passing of Roberto and Dembele and Messi coming in deep, the attack started to flow. Now let's talk about the first goal. The first goal was, again, just Messi starting the the attack. Messi 
finds Alba on the left with a great kind of chip pass on the left flank. And Alba, knowing that Messi is always going to be coming through the middle, heads it back through the middle. And if you watch the replay again, Messi already knows where the ball is going to go before the defender, and he beats the defender to the spot. Now, of course, Messi being clinical as always, he gets his hips around, he volleys the ball into the right corner, hits the post, and into the goal. So, of course, Messi and Alba have a great connection. I, I think I heard a stat that they have had 12 assists combined this season, which is unreal. It just shows the connection, the kind of non-spoken communication that they have. They know exactly where the spots are going to be, where they need to be for the finishing and they just have, a, you know, kind of a bromance, you know, kind of like Brian and I. We have a, we have a Barca bromance, you know, but Alba and Messi just have this utter connection that can't be denied. Again, this play just shows how Messi knows exactly where the ball is going to end up. And, you know, he's just the matrix genius, right? He just knows exactly where the ball is going to bounce, what he needs to do attack, and he gets there faster than the defender. And, of course, he scores a goal for Barca, opening up the scoring. And again, every time we open up the scoring, it helps us because now the other team has to chase and now we can just counter and then we just kind of open up the game a little bit more. So again, Barcelona began to find more holes in the Levante defense with a great outside the box shot by Dembele that forced the Levante goalkeeper to make a great save. Suarez was there for the rebound, but of course he hit it high. And again, everyone on Twitter was going crazy for this because, again, Suarez just needs to put it on target, right? If he puts it on target, he has a probably a 70% chance of scoring. But, of course, he tries to hit it super hard, and it goes flying high. But anyway, the, the thing I liked about this play was that Dembele had a really powerful, good, accurate shot from outside the box. Now, if Dembele and Coutinho, these two new players that we have, are going to start shooting from outside the box... Look out because that's going to give us so many opportunities with Messi and Suarez for rebound goals and also just keeps the defense. It keeps the defense unaware of what we're going to do. You know, before we were always trying to tiki taka all the way up to the doormat, you know, right up to the to the goal. And now if we start to shoot from outside, especially in these tough games like against Chelsea, we can open up the spaces with long shots outside the box. Again, like I said, Barcelona's attack began to mount more and more pressure on Levante which gave Messi some free kicks. He came very close on one of them, hitting the left corner. It was really hard and fast, but it did not score. Again, Barca's attack and, and smart and ability to open the matchup led to the second goal. Now, this second goal was a thing of beauty because it all started with Iniesta with a perfect pass over the top on the right corner to Brian's favorite player, Sergio Roberto. Now, Sergio Roberto, instead of doing anything, he just one time a cross perfectly to Suarez. Now, this cross was perfect because it caught the defense off guard and Suarez was ready. He was at the top of the box ready to anticipate Sergio Roberto's pass. And for this time, Suarez's first touch did not fail him. It was on point and he was able to volley a golazo past the goalkeeper. With that goal, Suarez passed Samuel Eto on Barca's goal-scoring list, moving him to 7th place with 132 goals. So again, you know, this play just shows how valuable Sergio Roberto is. I mean, we just need to find a spot for him on the on the field because if he plays right back or right mid, he's continuing to make plays and his possession and his ability to read plays and have connections with the attacking 
is an intangible that we can't put. You know, these are again, he makes another great cross. And like I put on Twitter, his crosses this year have been on fire. He just knows the the type of cross that needs to be done in that moment. Sometimes it needs to be a volley like it was today. Sometimes it needs to be high. Sometimes it needs to be an early cross. But he's picking out the, the right types of cross. And that's really important for us. Now let's get into the second half. The second half started off with a bang for Levante. You know, Barca kind of came out in the second half a little bit of sleepwalking. I mean, they kind of already had the game in hand with the 2-0 lead. And Barca's defense was napping a bit. And, of course, Ter Stegen had to save them with another spectacular save. Again, Ter Stegen is been the difference maker this year with these type of saves you know he hasn't had that many shots against him but when he has had to make these spectacular saves to keep the shutout he has been in the perfect position and he's been making these saves and again he is becoming a top three goalkeeper in the world I mean we already knew about his ability to pass you know We've seen this week on videos of him, um, you know, with his passing drills through Paulinho's legs, you know, and now he's just kind of putting it all together. The footwork, the positioning that he has, his reflexes have been off the charts and he's been having a great season. He's going to win probably goalkeeper of the year in La Liga. And again, we have another shutout. So Val Green's emphasis on defense has shown its face and again once we get this 2-0 lead we can kind of just coast through the match and get that victory now the second half did provide some scoring chances but Levante were scrappy they did commit a lot of fouls more than 13 fouls and they had only a few yellow cards maybe two or four I believe Now, in the 93rd minute, Messi showed his individual brilliance yet again, using his back to shield the defender when he received the ball. Turned, pirouetted, went to the left, down towards the touchline on the left side, and made a great skipping cross pass. It's one of those passes that just barely touches the grass as it goes through. I love those types of crosses. When I used to play, I loved trying to do that. I I remember Beckham was really good at that type of pass, and I really tried to emulate myself with those passes. And Messi just hit a perfect pass. Suarez lets it run through his legs. And Paulinho's there with his big fat toe. You know, Pauli, my my favorite player this year. He just sticks out his toe, and it's there for his seventh goal of the season, which is super impressive. I mean, I, maybe we have to come up with a new nickname for this trio. Like, I don't know, uh, MSP. I don't know, Messi, Suarez, Paulinho. I don't know. Some Someone will probably come up with something better. But it's just incredible that, you know, at the beginning of the season, who would have thought that Paulinho would be the third leading scorer on the team? And he is. And it's incredible. He's having a great year. And again, just another goal being at the right moment. Again, my mom would be super happy with his performance because he was right there in the perfect spot because he hustled. And this is in the 93rd minute. He was in the opposite end of the box, the right place, the right time. So shout out to Paulinho yet again for another amazing performance. Again, he had a, a, a super rating today. And, you know, he maybe the only thing he's lacking is just being a little bit more aggressive on his passing. But other than that, he scored. Another thing to note about this match was the La Liga debut of Arnais. Arnais came in for Sergio Roberto, and he's been playing really well for Barca B. And obviously in the week with Copa del Rey, that Val Green is starting to show more confidence in him. And I'm curious to see how long he'll be on the senior team. I definitely think he might still be on the team for the rest of the year, especially with De La Feo being out 
uh, with Val Green and, and with all the rumors of his transfer. So I'm very curious to see how our nice gets used. I think it'll benefit him. I think he's a really good player. I think what I saw today, especially he's not intimidated by the competition. He knows his role. Um, he has a really good first touch. He's a smart player and, and a scrappy player. And I think it'll benefit us to have that type of player in the second half of games when we need a spark. Overall, just another great victory by Barcelona. They got the three points, no serious injuries. I mean, we saw Jordi Alba go down at the very end, but it looked like he's going to be okay. We'll wait for the news. Um, It just kind of looked like he hyperextended his knee, so hopefully it's nothing serious. And the rest of the team should be ready for Celta this week. You know, we had PK and Busquets having a break today, so they'll be super fresh for that match against Celta in the Camp Nou for the Copa del Rey. So overall, like I said, just a really good quality win. You know, it's kind of a a good way to start the season. They get the 3-0 victory and they just looked okay. You know, nothing spectacular and really nothing bad. So again, we'll see how they go against Celta because Celta has a difficult match tonight against Real Madrid. And that's going to benefit us because they're going to have a tough match in La Liga tonight. And then they have to turn around and travel to Barcelona. So my man of the match, other than Messi, is none other than Sergio Roberto. Uh, he had an overall solid match for Barcelona today. He continues to show his importance to the future of FC Barcelona. He's becoming one of my favorite players to watch. I love watching the way he cuts in the middle. He makes those brilliant crosses. And his connection with Messi and Suarez, he just knows where to put the ball and where they're going to be. Now, again, he had that great assist for the second goal. Like I said, his crosses this year have been on fire. And again, he continues that run of assists going into this match. He was able to possess the ball, make smart decisions, and again, he was a stable presence on the right back. He didn't really have any mistakes tonight, and he really wasn't under too much pressure. And again, when Semedo comes in for, um, when he came in for Dembele, that pushes Sergio Roberto up to the right um, wing, right midfield, and that's a position that really suits him, and he's He's really dangerous there. Now, again, one of the, the stats that I saw that, that that I really am, am impressed with, he had 62 total passes, and of that, the passing accuracy was 92%. So, again, a really overall really great match for Sergio Roberto. You know, obviously, I probably would have given the man of the match to Messi because Messi was just, again, overall brilliance today with his passing. Again, the goal, the, uh, the assist that he gave basically to himself with Alba, which is an overall uh, brilliant match for Messi. But again, we, we here at Barca Talk want to highlight other players than Messi because we always know Messi is the best player on the team. So again, just a really overall good performance for FC Barcelona. Now with the official signing of Coutinho, that's really going to give some, I don't know, kind of a kick in the pants for the team with the amount of attacking force that we'll have. And that's definitely going to give Iniesta some breathing time so he can be super fresh for the Champions League. So I'm super excited for the second half of the season. And we'll see how Barcelona stack up against Celta this week in the Copa del Rey. Okay, and I'm back. So let's look ahead to the match previews. Uh, we got two games coming up this week. Of course, we have the return leg of the uh, Copa del Rey round of 16 with Celta in the Camp Nou scouting report. Uh, should we expect maybe a stronger lineup to ensure that they go forward? Messi, Suarez, Iniesta. Sillison will probably still be the goalkeeper because, like you said, this is his tournament, right? We're probably not going to see Ter Stegen goal. Yeah, exactly. I definitely think he'll go with a stronger lineup, especially at home. They need to get the win. 
Um, they, you know, Celta's a really strong team. They always, you know, they've scored goals easily, not easily, but they've, they've had a easier time out of all the other teams this season to score on us at home. So I definitely think that we'll come up with the strongest team possible, especially since, you know, we're getting into this routine of two games a week now. So it's hard to keep Messi and Suarez down. And I definitely think they'll be in the lineup in the second leg of the Copa del Rey. Yeah, I mean, because like in the league, we played a strong side against them in the league and they still got a draw. Exactly. I mean, Celta's, you know, they're not afraid of Barca, right? And they love to play in the Camp Nou, especially Aspas likes to kind of show off. You know, it's kind of like we talked about in previous podcasts about he's kind of like Nolito. When Nolito was in Celta, he always wanted to show the goods against Barca. And Aspas really has strong games against Barca. So, you know, Val Green is going to definitely try to put the strongest lineup, especially just to kind of, you know, um, kill the co- the cockroach. You know what I'm saying? Like they really want to just get, just get this victory and move on to the Copa del Rey. Yeah. So priority number one for Valverde would be not to concede. Don't you yeah, think? definitely. Because, right, the away goal is is huge. So if we can pitch a shutout or, you know win three to one or so you know i think it's easier for us to pitch a shutout and try to score i think that's the maybe the mantra the philosophy we should try to go with and especially if we have our strongest team that should be um something we can get yes i agree i think we could get that out of that match now the other one uh this is in la liga so uh, real sociedad we're playing in san sebastian at the anoeta so it's the it's the final match of the first round of la liga so Ciudad, they they've had a, a a win, a draw, a couple losses, a couple draws. They're you know mid table or upper mid table at this point, and they just got eliminated from Copa by Yeida. Very good, Yeida. There you go, Yeida. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank but you. you know you know that the Anoeta is like the worst place for us to play. You know, like we've never had good results there. The last four years, we've always struggled there. Um, so see that always plays us tough again it's the same almost the same type of weather as in Vigo it's always rainy misty it's like Seattle that type of weather it's on the beach it's just like that type of of climate so I'm curious to see how we respond especially you know in the years past like we talked about the Malaga match at Malaga how we've struggled and this is kind of the same situation so I'm curious to see how Val Green approaches this again um, Sociedad is only focusing on La Liga. They're trying to string some wins together. And we'll see how Val Green, what kind of lineup we use, if we kind of intermediate with some B players or not. Um, but it's important to get th- some points in this match for sure. Yeah, and you know, at the time that we're recording this preview segment, I don't know what's happened with Levante yet, but we're still undefeated and I would love to see that streak continue. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we just keep mounting that gap with the other teams, especially with Atletico, who now just got two players. You know, they got uh, Diego Costa and they got uh, Vieto on their team. So now they're they're looking pretty pretty formidable. So they're going to try to mount a comeback, and we just have to keep stringing those play uh, those you know points together to keep mounting that gap. Yeah, now for me, the player to watch from Sociedad is their top scorer, Willian Jose. I mean, it's actually kind of hard to choose a player to watch because they do have some serious players to, to watch out for. But I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye out on, on Jose. Yeah, and sorry, I meant Diego Costa and Vitolo, not Vieto. So, but yeah, um, he, he is a player to watch. Again, like I said, they always play Barca tough. So whoever their top scorer is, 
they usually are more of a team that scores through the air. You know, that's just from corner kicks, set plays, this type of thing. So we just have to man mark them tough. Again, the way our defense is playing this year, I th- I'm confident when we play these tough away matches because we're more focused on defense. And so we were able to get these points. So again, I feel confident that we'll be able to get the points in Sociedad because of Val Green's tactics and defensive concentration. Yeah. Well, speaking of the defense, because I'm sure that by this, by the time this match rolls around, Umtiti might be back from injury. Um, I don't know what his status is going to be at that point, but let's talk about Vermeulen. I mean, he's actually been doing a really good job. Exactly. You know, what's funny is like, I didn't, Maybe I just didn't know about him because he's never played for us. You know what I'm saying? And and it's really hard to find really good YouTube clips because on defenders, they don't translate, right? Like as an attacking player on YouTube. So, you know, the whole knock on him was always his injury. And now that he's able to string all these games together, we can see that Vermalin is actually a very quality player. And it's really fortunate for us to have him so far with the injury to Umtiti. It's a nice luxury to have because now we can, you know, barring injury to anyone else on the back line, we can ease Umtiti back into the starting lineup and then we can have a really good um, substitution formation, maybe with Mascherano, Umtiti, PK, and, you know, keeping them fresh and having them as a pair going back and forth. So, you know, like I, like you said, Vermeulen has been a great surprise, especially, I mean, he was important in the Classico, he was important in some other matches and just plugging the gap, you know. Plug in the hole. Plug in the hole. Yeah, so give it up for Tommy V. <laughs> give it up. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.